Welcome to episode 57 of the Search with Canada podcast. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today we are going to be joined by technical and e-commerce specialist Christina Azarenko to talk about one of the areas that causes a lot of e-commerce sites the greatest pain, which is categories, faceted navigation and pagination. If that doesn't mean a lot to you, stick around because we'll start from kind of the ground up. And if you, it's something you deal with on a daily basis, I think it's going to be good for you to listen as well. Christina, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Um, why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself, your background, and tell people a little bit about um, your, you know, what you do. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm also excited to join this podcast. I love love podcasts and love what, what Mark is sharing. So I'm excited to be there. Um, I'm an e-commerce and technical SEO consultant based in Toronto, Canada. Uh, and I've helped businesses get traffic and get sales they deserve from Google traffic. I've been in digital marketing and SEO for about 10 years. And um, I've worked with many companies when I was working in-house and, and agencies. But my true passion lies in helping online stores. And this is very timely in all this current situation. Yeah, I thought this was a particularly good subject so we've had a few episodes recently about obviously coronavirus COVID-19 stuff and talking about digitally what's happening how businesses are changing and one thing that's come out through that is lots of businesses are either upping their e-commerce game investing more in their SEO for e-com and there's a whole load of SMBs small medium businesses enterprises that didn't have an e-commerce offering before and now are scrambling to 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 get one. So I thought this would be a really good chance to speak to someone like Christina, who's this is, you know, her bread and butter, this this technical SEO for e-com sites. And I wanted to pick up um, on her suggestion actually to talk about this kind of categorization, fasted navigation, which is kind of a scary technical end of e-com in a way. Uh, it requires a bit of planning. Um, it's my one of my favorite areas for uh, SEO because normally there's a lot of improvements that can be made on, on most sites um, that that you kind of get involved with. So, uh, Christina, I guess if if we address those businesses that are starting out now with an e-commerce site, so they've decided they've got um, their products and they didn't necessarily uh, sell online before, or maybe uh, like some of the clients we've had, they're looking to move onto a platform because they're currently selling on, say, like an, an eBay shop. In terms of categorization, so in terms of we've got this product range, how should they decide what goes where? What What's the process? What are the tools? How do they validate it? What kind of process should they start thinking about in terms of how they categorize their products on their, on their e-com site? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, actually, <laughs> I also wanted to mention that, um, as you said, e-commerce is growing right now because people who didn't sell online they were just operating offline now have to switch and uh, in one of the talks i had this uh, statistics where people were fascinated by it it said that um by 
2040, about 95% of all the sales will be done online. It is statistics from NASDAQ. And I feel this, that this 2040 year is already coming. So because everybody has to migrate their uh, efforts online. And if you're just starting, like, first of all, you should decide um, which platform to choose. And this is a completely, uh, completely huge topic. But I'd say that start with something small. Uh, if you have never been, if you have never had a shop, start with maybe Shopify or WooCommerce. And when it comes to understanding which categories you should create, first of all, you already should have some um, understanding of your customers because if you were operating offline, you can analyze the um, the demand and you can understand what people were what people will search for potentially, but one good thing and it's actually quite a fast thing to do is to look at your competitors it never hurts it never hurts to look at your competitors websites or uh for some websites who are partially your competitors and see what they have as categories especially with those that you know are um quite um doing really well online so this never hurts um and so you can have have a number of your products and then decide which categories to create based on these products. What I would also say is um, usually people think only about the types of products. If we, um, for an example, uh, baby baby gifts, like random example, baby gifts. Uh, you can think about, okay, baby, baby gifts for girls, baby gifts for boys, etc. This is pretty straightforward. But I would also suggest thinking about the use cases of your products. So in this example, these would be baby shower gifts or gifts for first birthday. This might not be very relevant examples right now because, uh, you know, but still this is the idea how you look at your products, not only in terms of um, their type, but also which use cases can be, um, can be seen for those products. So this might be we we find as we're using tools uh, to mine data, say like Google suggests them, we're seeing what people are searching that they might just be searching by the actual function of the product because they yeah. don't necessarily know a brand or they know they don't know the name of the thing they need. They just have a problem they need solving. So you're saying we maybe need to create categories to cater for them as well. Because I guess if we don't, you know, it, it comes down to if you don't have the page, the, the content on the page, you aren't going to rank for that. So we need to actually think about creating those categories around that as well as what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Because if you uh, if you have, for example, one category for all the products, and you think, yeah, these products can be used like this, these products can be used like this, but people don't know it, and when they are looking for um, when they are looking for these use cases or these types of products, there are millions, millions of other websites who have those pages. So your website, your um, like your store won't be as relevant. And here's one more example, and I just rem remembered about this. Um, this is a real, great, a really great way to um, come up with category suggestions as well. For example, if you go to Google and look for something which is quite genuine, uh, for example, swing chair. And if you go to images uh, at the top, you will see uh, different types of swing chairs that can exist. So if you're selling swing chairs, again, not 
really relevant example right now, but <laughs> I think... Uh, no, I think a lot of people will be, be yeah. in their garden for summer. So I've actually just done this while you've been talking. So to, oh, so I've Googled cool. swing chair, I've gone to images and we've got indoor, outdoor, yeah. garden, living yeah. room, wooden, hanging. So it's a really good example. So we're saying, you know, there are going to be people searching for indoor swing chairs, outdoor swing chairs, yeah. garden swing chairs, living. Have, so we need to think about chair. that use. Yeah, I have a swing chair. Is, and... it, an, is it an indoor, an outdoor one or a garden one? Well, it's actually... <laughs> It's, so I live in a condo, so it's actually outdoor. So in summer, it's on the balcony, but during the winter, it's it's an indoor. So it's convertible <laughs> for me. But yeah, that's a, that's a new search term there, convertible swing chair. <laughs> I don't so you've op- you've opened yourself up a can of worms here, Christina, because you've you've dived in and you've mentioned about Shopify and WooCommerce already. And one kind of question I wanted to ask you was, so there's a problem on some content management systems where if we add the same product to Mm -hmm. multiple categories so this is obviously quite a common thing that you might have one product um so let me see if i can think of example so for yeah so say we take our swing chair example and we have outdoor swing chairs as a category and we also have garden swing chairs as a category now you would expect an outdoor swing chair maybe to be in both of those categories now with some e-commerce platforms the way they're structuring urls is they'll have you know the site.com forward slash the category name so something like outdoor swing chairs and then the product name and then obviously we get a duplicate url sometimes created which would be you know forward slash then it would be garden swing chairs and then the, the product name so essentially if we're adding the same product um into two categories we might get duplicate urls now i know and we won't get into the faceted navigation stuff now but i know you know shopify i believe um handles this by making a product url without any kind i think they call them collections um and uses canonical tags so it does create all of the different urls um woocommerce i i believe for stuff like variations it just creates new urls for every variation you have and it, it leaves you to tidy that up so my general question here is there's you've mentioned shopify woocommerce is there any particular pros and cons that you could recommend for small businesses why they would choose one or the other or if you say you know if you go for woocommerce here's a couple of things that you should look out for um yeah sure so this is actually one of the most common (laughs) issues when it comes to duplicate content for online stores and it's really it's really weird that all the all the popular e-commerce systems don't really handle this out of the box really well. Um, so I'd say that if you're again if you're just starting, if you don't want to put lots of efforts in uh, putting all the canonicals in place, I'd say just go with the flat structure website slash and then the product name. Uh, versus having category um, category catalog, category name in the URL. And in uh, as you said, right, in Shopify, you can uh, disable it, but also what you can, what you should do, no matter which system you use, is to make sure that all your internal links are also at the same, um, at the same as you decided. So for example, if you have a product URL without the category, all the internal links should also have 
this product URL without the category because it has so many situations when, for example, there's a Shopify store and they are handling the product URLs really well. They have just flat structure, but the collections pages have links to these product URLs with collection, product, etc. So this is the wrong link and you should make sure that this link is the flat structure what your product has. You can you can change it, um, I believe you can change it in the uh, liquid files, it's not really hard, but this is a very important thing to realize that your internal structure should have all the URLs which are canonical versions, preferred versions. And so that that's something that's much easier to do at the planning and build stage, isn't it? Because if you go live with the default kind of collection URLs and you know they get linked to internally and some maybe end up indexed because as we know Google says canonical is a hint not a directive so they could get indexed there's like a big perhaps tidying up job you've got to do there afterwards right yeah I see that I'm a big fan actually if you can do something right from the beginning do this right from the beginning because otherwise this is this is going to be expensive to redo these things because you will need to estimate them, you will need to have more development time, and this is going to be like more costly. And I'm for more uh, cost-efficient cost-efficient strategies. And uh, one thing also, just to getting back to uh, the platforms and the setting, uh, for example, in Magento, as far as I remember, in Magento 2, and I think in Magento 1 as well, um, there is an option to also make your product URLs flat, which means that you won't have any category there because otherwise you'll have, um, as we were talking, um, duplicate, du duplicate URLs for products, the same product with uh, different URLs. But there is also, um, there are also some extensions, Magento has lots of extensions and it actually used to work for a company who developed extensions. Uh, so that's why I, I like know a lot of this functionality that can be added. So there was an expansion which is called Unique Product URL, and it automatically you can configure it to automatically choose only one category the product belongs to. So um, as a canonical. So for example, if we have swing chair uh, in the garden category, then swing chair in indoor and swing chair um, I don't know in something else like furniture. Uh, you can choose the longest or the shortest path as a canonical, which means that in this case it would be um, garden or indoor. Well, <laughs> so I think that's really interesting that wh whichever platform you choose um, yeah. is likely that you're going to need to tweak things to to make it efficient in the long term and to give you the best chance of ranking well and as you say that's kind of surprising because all of these systems sell themselves as you know the e-commerce platform that seo is built in you don't need to worry about it but actually it turns out that all of them have their quirks um and they're not necessarily as good as they can be out of the box yeah. Um, so fa faceted navigation is something I want to talk to you about already. So, th I mean, we've already talked for like 15 minutes about just categories, which is cool. But so faceted navigation is probably the more complex subject. Do you want to give just an intro maybe for, for people who haven't come across that term before as to what is faceted navigation and why is it an important consideration? Yeah, sure. Uh, so when you come to an online store, 
the best example that I can think about is of course clothes. <laughs> so when you come to an online store and you're looking for something, this is a huge category, for example, women's clothes. But you want to drill down to actually find what you need without, you know, spending hours looking through all the different pages. So you choose the color. For example, I want, um, let's go with sneakers. I want black sneakers. I choose black color. Then I know my own size, so I choose my size, right? So this helps me to drill down into the specific set of products I'm interested in. And this happens with the help of different sorting and filters option. What you, what you usually see um, in the sidebar or sometimes above the uh, products, when you can choose, um, again, size, color, uh, brand, um, all this different stuff, which helps you save time and find the products much faster. From the user's perspective, this is an ideal thing when you, when you want to find something particular. But when it comes to SEO, the problem is all these variations, in most of cases, create different URLs. So when I add color, there is a different URL, uh, there is some parameter added to the URL. When I add um, size, there is a new parameter added to the URL. And if all those URLs are indexed, it happens a lot. So when they are all indexed, indexed, it means that your website has so many pages which are not really of high value and list basically the same products all, all over again. And this is going to be, um, you know, even if you've got three or four things you can filter by, and each of those have three or four filters, that's a huge number of pages. You know, we're talking immediately in the thousands of variations of, of pages that are really similar. So what's the general, so we know that, you know, we've got canonical as one thing in our toolbox that we can use to uh, combat when we've got two pages that are really similar, maybe with the same intent. What's your general approach to faceted navigation? What are the kind of, uh, best practice rules you go by when, you, when you're looking at e-commerce sites? Um, yeah, so there are different ways to handle it. And I also uh, wanted to give one more idea why this is bad. Um, the thing is that Google evaluates your website in general. So on the, base, on the basis of all the pages that you have. So if, say, 95 pages of your website are duplicates or thin content, this happened in my life and when I joined one of the clients, they 95% of index pages were all duplicates. This means that your website doesn't look really uh, good to Google. So, yeah, so it means that you need to clean those, this, those up. And when it comes to best uh, ways to handle it, my still my best um, go-to thing is canonicalization. Uh, just because it consolidates all the, um, all the signals for the pages. So for example, if one page gets a link, an external link from some website, it, your website will benefit from it. And if this page which got the link has a canonical pointing to another page, your website still benefits. But if you use no index or something like that, these signals won't consolidate. But the problem with canonicals is that if your website has millions and millions of pages, it can be really costly in terms of crawl budget. Crawl budget is the rate with which 
Google can crawl your website. And if it comes to your website and spends, I would say, weeks all of the time on crawling each page with a canonical, which is actually not really not really valuable page, but it still spends this time, it won't get to the real to the really important pages, like product pages, especially if your stock is very dynamic and you have new products uh, coming in stock, you know, this might just hurt your website. So in this case, uh, I'd say like if you have millions of pages, then uh, you can use URL parameters tool in Google Search Console. Um, but very, <laughs> but be very careful because this tool is um, well. You can you can make bad things with this. I mean, you can uh, you should understand what you are doing, and you should read everything carefully when you're choosing options. Um, so there is an option um, to choose a, a URL parameter and say that it doesn't really change or it sorts the products and then choose that Google should not crawl these pages. This is one of the things. So this is quite, this is um, the tool equivalent of a chainsaw in that it's very powerful, um, but you need to make sure you don't end up chopping off things that aren't meant to be chopped yeah, off. Exactly. <laughs> and also Google, Google Health will, will have this red notice make sure that you understand what you are doing before actually using this tool. And this is really right, because I think that they've seen so many examples when people just were using it without really understanding. So that's good that they um, mm. really reinforce it. One more thing that you can do is to use no index. It doesn't necessarily save the crawl budget because the page still needs to be crawled. But if you have no index, it means that at some point the crawl rate will be really, really low. So Google will prioritize the more important pages and won't spend lots of its crawl budget to for um, crawling these canonicalized pages. The downside is that the signals, again, the signals from external links, from internal links, they are not consolidated and you just losing those if you have them coming to no index pages. So would you say if it's possible, a good approach might be to access filters on a page that you don't want indexed, uh, maybe through kind of JavaScript, a way that Google's really going to struggle to get to those URLs or maybe use URL fragments. So anything after the hash that Google's just going to ignore anyway, um, would that be a valid approach? Yeah, see, I would say in an ideal world, um, in an ideal world, it's better to use like uh, AJAX for, for these filters so that you don't even create any new URL. People can benefit from these um, sortings and they can drill down to the products they, they need, but no new URLs are created. At the same time, um, at the same time, some filters, some like some filters can become indexable facets, which means that um, they, um, they will be indexed by Google and they will have value. So should I come into, into specifics right now or are we going to talk about this later? Uh, well, I guess the question I have for the thing would be really good to go over would be over when we draw the line between when something should and shouldn't be indexed. So if, if we have um, like a website, say, that just sells running shoes, right? Yeah. And we do our keyword research and we say, okay, there's lots of people searching for like 
red running shoes. We'll just say there is. I don't know how many there are. Um, but we say that's like a genuine search term that people are looking for. So we decide, okay, that's maybe going to be like an indexable subcategory is going to be red running shoes, right? And then, of course, we've got um, our normal filters, which might be things like um, to sort by or filter by price. Um, but then there's this kind of, for me, this gray area in the middle, which might be something like uh, size, for instance. So size to me normally falls into like a non-indexable filter category. But then there's the argument of, well, are there people searching for, say, like size nine running shoes? And if so, should we not create a page for them? And so how do you decide where to draw that line of when something just becomes too specific that it's it's not worth creating a paid indexable URL for, and it should just be a, a kind of a filter that's not indexed. Um, yeah. So first of all, I would say that I uh, would come from the place um, of deciding. So when you, when you have all the filters not indexable, and then you decide which should be indexable versus when you have all the indexable and decide which not should be indexable. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, what I did, um, you know, I, I have a talk about this and it's 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 really interesting question because what you can do is to analyze first of all like do keyword research do your keyword research because it really helps a lot and as you said for some websites size may, may, might make sense sometimes even price but for some websites these would be just garbage pages so it's really important to see what works in your specific situation then what I'd say if you um, if you already have uh, if you already have these pages, you can look into Google Analytics. Uh, you can see how, which filters people are using, uh, how they're use, using them. So it can give you a good understanding of what your customers are interested in. Then also use internal search. You should definitely have it have it configured in Google Analytics, it just takes five seconds. And use search terms. If people are looking for um, black uh, sneakers size 10, and many people are looking for this, create a separate page for this and make sure that this page is indexable so that people can find it through Google. And um, what I had as an approach for um, one of the clients is that we first created, we. Like I did all the research and um, I recommended some creating some categories, but they had a huge number of filters. So creating one category by one was just like I don't know it would took two years. Uh, so I came up with this framework. When I chose particular filters based on keyword research, I chose particular filters. These were as far as I remember type, size, and color or something like that. And those filters would become indexable facets. This was for t-shirts. Uh, if they have enough products in their, um, when, when you filter, if they have enough products, then this is a separate indexable URL. So to give you an example, um, there is an overall um, category t-shirts. Then there is indexable filter, which is color. So we'll have yellow t-shirts, for example. If this category, yellow t-shirts, have uh, nine products or more, then this is a standalone facet page which we index and which people can find through Google. If this page has two products, 
then we have a canonical pointing to a, um, to a parent page, which is going to be t-shirts in this case. Uh, I think so this is like a, a this is like a framework then that will grow with the site maybe so as as you add more products as well these pages yeah. can then open up and yeah, become exactly. indexable exactly it helps it helps to uh, it helps to, to solve this issue with too many faceted pages which are not really uh, which are not really valuable or having pages which are which are unique which have um, which have really value for users have them indexable but to have it all at a scale. So I think um, it'd be really nice to finish up on a question actually around um, numbers of products, um, and that's to do with pagination. So we've we've probably all seen pagination before, which is when you load maybe a category on an e-commerce site and it's showing you, say, products 1 to 50, and then you scroll to the bottom and then it's like you're on page 1 of 142 or something. So I'd be really interested to your thoughts on what you should do if you know you've got a top level category that someone can browse to and it's got you know in the thousands of, of products in and what 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 is the best approach to that um because obviously we've got options like making a view all page um for for just for bots or for users and bots um we've got you know seen people giving advice about no indexing so far down into paginations we've got google bots supporting uh, lazy load now what what's your preferred approach um when you've got that situation we've got a category with lots and lots of products in yeah uh, i think that's that this might be a popular opinion uh so um do you remember that there was used to be uh, well previous next Yes, and I was telling people to use it right up until the point where Google said they hadn't even been using it themselves for yeah. quite a few months. <laughs> yes, exa- exactly. Well, uh, it's still valuable because some other search engines use it, but in terms of, like, if we talk about Google. So um, I, at first, I was freaking out. And then I was like, it's interesting because nobody actually, I mean, in terms of users, in, to- in terms of SEOs, nobody actually noticed that something was wrong while Google wasn't using it, right? So we were implementing, yeah. we were recommending to use it, and uh, like nothing was wrong, everything was fine. And then we realized, like not realized, uh, then Google told us occasionally, it wasn't just, it wasn't even an announcement, uh, that it's not using it anymore. And everything was fine. So my opinion is that um, I'd say keep the pagination uh, indexed, so don't know index it because eventually, um, well, um, a better explanation. So, uh, your each, each each page of the pagination has links to the products, and if you have many of these products, it's really valuable that Google should discover those products from internal links, and internal links also have uh, carry signals from one page to another. So it's really valuable to have uh, Google go through these links and to actually like, see these links. When you know index pages, even if you have no index follow, as we know, at some point, Google treats no index follow pages as no index no follow pages. So it means you just cut off this part of your website. Uh, that's why I'd say that keep, uh, keep the pagination Originated pages indexed. Don't canonicalize them to the main uh, to the main category page. Um, don't no index them. When it comes to view all, 
this might also be a good option, but at the same time, um, as, I, as I mentioned before, you should have uh, internal links the same as your canonical tags. So if you know, inside of your website you link to category without view all and then you canonicalize view all category, it gives conflict, conflicting signals to people. You're saying, you're basically saying my view all page should be canonical, but at the same time, my canonical page should be without view all. So this, this is also uh, something uh, not really good. So I say, look at your Google Search Console, see how Google perceives these um, pages. And in most of the situations, you won't even see issues with that. Like we didn't see those issues before we actually knew that previous next is discontinued. It's a particularly interesting case I find because I think last time, I don't know if they've been updated, I read the Google Docs on pagination and view all. Their recommendation was um, their research had showed that users tend to prefer landing on a view all page rather than say, you know, like a view 10 products. Um, and I think that's anecdotally been backed up when I've watched user testing of, of people on e-commerce sites. One of the first things a lot of them do is change the how many they view on a page to like the maximum amount because it's an easier kind of, you know, UX experience scrolling and sliding rather than uh, kind of clicking. Um, so they've recommended using the canonical tag back to the view all page because they said users prefer that experience and the the overall latency is lower than if they clicked through and reloaded um, paginated sets. However, that to me obviously has a logical cutoff because if you have a paginated page set of 50 or 100 pages, no user, well, it's unlikely a user is going to sit and click through every single one of them. So it doesn't make sense, like you're saying, to try and load thousands of products onto a single page because that's going to become a very kind of heavy page then yeah, um yeah. i guess we're just kind of circling around the classic seo answer of it depends yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but i think the important takeaway there is there's nothing inherently wrong with pagination if you've got it um and it's working for you and you know it's working for your users you don't need to kind of worry about trying to move everything onto a view all have you got any preferred e-commerce platform um, that you'd, you'd kind of recommend to start up business? We, rec we, we talked about WooCommerce, Shopify, um, and, and Magento. Is there anyone you think handles all these things particularly well? Um, is there anyone you'd normally go to? I know we kind of covered that earlier with their quirks. I'm just trying to tease out from everyone I did from Luke as well. Um, if you have got a preferred kind of platform, you, you do try and get people on. Um, I'd say, um, well, the best answer here... <laughs> Because it depends as well, but it depends, it, depends your, <laughs> it depends on how tech savvy you are and how much budget you have. So I'll give a few uh, a few ideas that might help people choose Brilliant. the platform in their particular situation. Um, so when it comes to Shopify, this this is best for people who are not really tech savvy, and that's that's totally fine uh, because they make things pretty easy, less flexible, much less flexible, but really easy for people to start. And as far as I know, they've now extended their free trial, which is amazing because they try and trying to um, help those people who need to start their online stores quickly. Is it is it like three months now? Uh, yes, right? yes, it's um, I believe it's ninety days. Yes, three months. Yeah. Um, so there you can just get up and running pretty fast and uh, they have many templates so it's pretty easy if you if you want to start quickly to start with them 
Uh, then when it comes to WooCommerce, this is this is a good platform, but you should already you should also have some um, technical knowledge because it's WordPress. So if you're good with WordPress, that's uh, that's that's great for you. Um, but you still should have some technical knowledge how to do stuff there because it's pretty flexible. It also has plugins, so you can get everything best from all the platforms. Um, it's flexible, but at the same time, it's not that expensive. But if you want to have a really like big store and you have uh, developers, if you want maximum customization and numerous different features, goes go with Magento because um, it's yeah again it's quite expensive, but it has many different features, many many different extensions, and they you can customize your shop so much and also uh, you can customize and improve your efficiency as an admin of the store because there's so many things that can help you do this um, but you will definitely need a developer so if you don't have a developer if you don't have money at this point for developer don't start with Magento make sure you don't start with does the number of products make much difference to you I mean the, the impression um, just from again anecdotes I've seen is Magento tends to be for sites with more products do you yeah. have you seen it running on kind of small sites as in you know you've got a couple of hundred products uh yeah i saw stores like that but i'd say that if you have just uh, yeah a few hundred like a couple of hundred products or if you have like 10 products magento is not your hmm. value it just um, just won't be efficient for you it will be costly so um start this in this case with shopify or uh, WooCommerce. Brilliant. Christina, thank you so much for giving up some of your time to speak to us about e-commerce, SEO, categories, navigation, faceted navigation, canonicalization, all the big words that make us sound super clever. <laughs> uh, it's been really interesting talking to you. Um, we can find out more about Christina. Is it marketingsyrup.com, I believe? Yes, that's right. Marketingsyrup.com. And I know because, um, again, I neglected to mention at the beginning of the show. So um, a bit like um, Luke Carthy, Christina just kind of edged her way onto my radar because she posts on LinkedIn a lot. Um, and I was saying to her just before we beginning, uh, started recording, actually, kind of I organically started to kind of notice her post because I saw she was putting out a lot of good uh, information. And I believe you run a SEO challenge course. Is that right? Do you want to tell everyone about that just before uh... we finish? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, I'm a teacher by education and I'm an SEO by profession. So I think that this teacher part uh, is coming out of me. That's why I decided to create an SEO challenge course. I created it last year. And this is for people who want to learn SEO from the beginning to like intermediate level. We talk a lot about a lot of stuff there. It's very practical. And uh, yeah, I just have it now on demand for all the people who have who are bored, <laughs> who are bored now. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Yeah, and can learn something new. So it's also my best. And they can find that at Marketing Syrup as well, marketingsyrup.com. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at marketingsyrup.com and you will see uh, SEO Challenge in the main navigation. Cool, brilliant. So I hope people will check that out as well. Thank you again, Christina, for joining us. Our next episode is going to be on Monday, the 27th of April. 
Of course, as usual, you can get the show notes, links to everything we've talked about, as well as a full transcription at search.withcanda.co.uk. And I hope you'll tune in next week.